Our first reading for today is from the seventh chapter of Judges. Then Jerubal, that is Gideon, and all the people who were with him rose early and encamped beside the spring of Herod. And the camp of Midian was north of them, by the hill of Morah in the valley. The Lord said to Gideon, The people with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hand, lest Israel boast over me, saying, My own hand has saved me. Now therefore proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and trembling, let him return home and hurry away from Mount Gilead. Then 22,000 of the people returned, and 10,000 remained. And the Lord said to Gideon, The people are still too many. Take them down to the water, and I will test them for you there. And any one of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, shall go with you. And any one of whom I say to you, this one shall not go with you, shall not go. So he brought the people down to the water. And the Lord said to Gideon, Everyone who laps the water with his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set by himself. Likewise, everyone who kneels down to drink. And the number of those who lapped, putting their hands to their mouths, was 300 men. But all the rest of the people knelt down to drink water. And the Lord said to Gideon, With the 300 men who lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hand. And let all the others go, every man to his home. So the people took provisions in their hands and their trumpets. And he sent all the rest of Israel, every man to his tent, but retained the 300 men. And the camp of Midian was below him in the valley. That same night, the Lord said to him, Arise, go down against the camp, for I have given it into your hand. But if you are afraid to go down, go down to the camp with Pura, your servant, and you shall hear what they say. And afterward, your hands shall be strengthened to go down against the camp. Then he went down with Pura, his servant, to the outpost of the armed men who were in the camp. And the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the people of the east lay along the valley like locusts in abundance, and their camels were without number as the sand that is on the seashore in abundance. When Gideon came, behold, a man was telling a dream to his comrade, and he said, Behold, I dreamed a dream, and behold, a cake of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian and came to the tent and struck it so that it fell and turned it upside down so that the tent lay flat. And his comrade answered, This is no other than the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. God has given into his hand Midian and all the camp. As soon as Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation, he worshipped. And he returned to the camp of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord has given the host of Midian into your hand. And he divided the 300 men into three companies and put trumpets into the hands of all of them and empty jars with torches inside the jars. And he said to them, Look at me and do likewise. When I come to the outskirts of the camp, do as I do. When I blow the trumpet, I and all who are with me, then blow the trumpets also on every side of all the camp and shout, for the Lord and for Gideon. 
So Gideon and the hundred men who were with him came to the outskirts of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch, when they had just set the watch, and they blew the trumpets and smashed the jars that were in their hands. Then the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the jars. They held in their left hands the torches, and in their right hands the trumpets to blow. And they cried out, A sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Every man stood in his place around the camp, and all the army ran. They cried out and fled. When they blew the 300 trumpets, the Lord set every man's sword against his comrade and against all the army. And the army fled as far as Beth Sheeta, towards Zerahah, as far as the border of Abel Meholah by Tabith. And the men of Israel were called, called out from Naphtali and from Asher and from all of Manasseh, and they pursued after Midian. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. <clears throat> Our second reading is from the first chapter of Galatians. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me, to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me it's not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. But I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my father's. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. And what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, 
And I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it and said, He who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We continue our recitation of the small catechism with our next portion on the sacrament of the altar. What is the benefit of this eating and drinking? These words given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins show us that in the sacrament, forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation are given us through these words. For where there is forgiveness of sins, there is also life and salvation. How can bodily eating and drinking do such great things? Certainly not just eating and drinking do these things, but the words written here, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. These words, along with the bodily eating and drinking, are the main thing in the sacrament. Whoever believed these words has exactly what they say, forgiveness of sins. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Most people have heard about the story of Adam and Eve, and in particular about the eating of the forbidden fruit, the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that they were supposed to not eat from. And God warned them. He spoke a warning to Adam and Eve, and he said, in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. And Adam and Eve, in their eating of that fruit, they sinned. And through that eating, death came. And not just to them, but to every single person born ever since Adam and Eve. We, we call it our old Adam, our sinful nature. We call it sometimes the sin we have from conception. And this is just the reality that every person in this born in this world who has been born has faced. That they, they carry with them that original sin that Adam and Eve committed. A sin that brought death. A sin that has brought every disease in this world. Every disease that people are born with, every disease that people die with, a sin that has brought every, every injury and, and, and accident of this world that brings bodily harm or death, a sin that even affected this entire world that we live in, because we're not the only things that die, are we? Animals die, plants die, the water, the fish Nature itself became corrupted. That's why we have natural desires, disasters, earthquakes, famines, tornadoes, hurricanes. All of it from this one time when Adam and Eve ate and sinned. It wasn't just the eating. It was the fact that they went against God. God, who is the author of life. And any time we divorce ourselves from God, the one who is life. There's only death that comes out of that. We all see it. 
You don't have to be blind in this world not to see the effects of this. It's everywhere. But today, in our small catechism, we read about the sacrament of the altar. We read about a new type of eating. The first time with Adam and Eve, God spoke a warning with that eating. This time, God speaks a blessing. And the first time, Adam and Eve, if they ate, they would sin. This time, in the eating of this sacrament of the altar, we are made holy. In that first eating of Adam and Eve, their eating, their sin brought death. In this eating from the sacrament of the altar, it brings life and salvation. In that first eating of Adam and Eve, what their sin did impacted the entire world. But now, through the work of Christ and what we celebrate in this work of Christ, it brings life to this whole world. So much life so that one day when he returns, he will even remake our entire bodies, souls, and even this entire world, this earth. There will be no more tornadoes or hurricanes or tsunamis. There will be no more death. There will be no more famine. There'll be none of that anymore. All of it we get a a foretaste of in this very simple, meek, meager meal of Christ's body and blood given to us in bread and wine. We may think, well, what... How is this so fantastic? How does this undo everything that was done? Because it's all centered in the work of Christ and what Christ has done for us. And that through his work, dying for all sins on the cross and rising from the dead to prove that death has not had the final say, he's unleashed this life to all of us. He's undone that first sin. And that's even what we say when we recited this today. We asked, what's the benefit of this eating and drinking? And we responded by saying, these words, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins, show us that in the sacrament, forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation are given us through these words. And here's why. Because wherever there is forgiveness of sins, there's life and salvation. With Adam and Eve, from birth, from their creation, there was life and salvation. Their sin interrupted that, took it away. Now what Christ has done is the opposite. He has forgiven sins. And wherever there's forgiveness of sins, there's life. There's salvation. That's all of what our Lord has done for us. And I pray we never forget about this. Because it's very easy for us to forget about it. It's very easy for us to just not cherish this as much as we could or we should. And it's always been this way. In fact, the Apostle Paul, when he wrote today to the church in Galatia, he said this to these people, a church that he founded just about five years before this. He wrote this. I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ. And are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one. But there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. 
And there were. There were people that were sneaking into this congregation and had, telling them to take their eyes away from what Christ did for them and to go back to myths and rituals like circumcision and other actions that they would perform to try and give them some confidence that they were somehow made right in the eyes of God by their own actions, their own works, rather than made right in the eyes of God by what Christ has done and what he's done for all of us. See, it really is simple. Christianity isn't that hard, is it? When it comes down to it, when we look at that cross, we see Jesus dying for sin. Not his sin, our sin. Wherever sin is removed, wherever sin is forgiven, life and salvation are given. And really, in a nutshell, that's what we receive in the Lord's Supper. We literally receive life and salvation right here, right now. And that promise that one day when Christ returns, we will be given the full healthy dose of that life and salvation in the resurrection of the dead. A day that we will all see and that we will all enjoy. And I pray that we all look forward to. Amen. And now may the peace of our God, which surpasses our understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.